What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Only Hoops podcast. I am your host, Jeff Bell, and I am back for episode eight. Very excited for this interview today. Uh, like I said, this episode is going to be an interview with two good friends of mine, uh, and my two friends, Greg Allen and Andrew Sahani, are going to be joining me for an interview today, and I am very excited to have them on. Uh, like I said, two good friends of mine. I've been wanting to have them on the podcast for a really long time. Finally got around to having them on. Uh, very excited to finally have the opportunity to do so. So the first guest in our podcast today is Greg Allen. Greg is one of my lifelong best friends, and he also graduated with me from Spackenkill High School in Poughkeepsie, New York. After graduating in 2014, Greg went on to uh, Springfield College, and he actually uh, competed on their men's golf team, um, but there he also studied communications and athletic coaching. Additionally to playing college golf, Greg worked for the Springfield College men's basketball program, uh, which actually advanced all the way to the Division III Final Four in 2018. After graduating from Springfield University, Greg moved back home to Poughkeepsie and became an assistant at SUNY New Paltz for their men's basketball program, and he was there for two seasons. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Greg transitioned into the business world, and he is now working for the Hartford and is pursuing his master's degree in leadership and coaching from Western New England University. And me and Greg go way back, like I said, one of my childhood best friends, known him since I was in kindergarten when I was about four years old. Uh, we actually started our coaching careers together at 15. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about our coaching experiences and things along those lines in this episode. So very excited to have Greg on the podcast. And he will be joined by another good friend of mine and my high school basketball teammate, Andrew Sahani. Andrew also graduated from Spagnell High School, but he graduated in 2015, so he was a year behind me and Greg. After Andrew uh, graduated from Spagnell, he went on to Marist College, which is also in Poughkeepsie, New York. At Marist, Andrew studied business administration and was a practice player uh, for their women's program for four years. Additionally, he worked in the athletics department, assisting with facilities and operations. And after graduating from Marist, Andrew started working there as a marketing and ticketing assistant for two years uh, before be being named the assistant athletics director for marketing and engagement at St. Peter's University. And as we all know, St. Peter's recently became the first ever 15 to advance to the Elite Eight after beating Kentucky, Murray State, and Purdue eventually falling to the national runner-up UNC Tar Heels in March Madness. So very excited to have Andrew on the podcast. Uh, we've All three of us have had very similar and shared basketball experiences. So really excited to have them on, talk about that, talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. Um, the game sevens are happening today, actually being filmed during the um, Suns and Mavericks game seven. So we'll definitely probably be talking about that. Uh, if I look off, if you see me looking off the camera, probably going to be looking at the TV screen, uh, following along with that game. Um, but very excited to be back on the YouTube channel with a video format. Today's interview is all going to be on video. So if you do want to watch the video, stay here on the YouTube channel. If you want to just listen to the audio, recommend going over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow us, leave a rating or a review for the podcast. That would be amazing. Uh, and then also feel free to subscribe and like this YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube. So all those links can be found in the description of this video. Uh, and without further ado, we're just going to get right into my interview with Greg Allen and Andrew Sahani. 
All right, Andrew and Greg, thank you for joining me and welcome to the Only Hoops podcast. How are you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Greg? Happy to be here. Happy to be on the pod. This is my, yeah. this is my first podcasting experience, actually. Well, I'm excited to have you. Went wanted to have you guys on for a while, so glad we can make this work out. First thing I, I'm going to ask you guys is first thing I ask anyone else. I've had two interviews previously. First thing, just kind of explain your background in basketball. Where did you begin playing and who were some of your uh, you know, influences growing up? Maybe like, you know, personal or professional players. And you can start. Um, I think I started like every other kid, you know, just CYO basketball at the local church. You know, you, you know, it's probably like first or second grade um, at St. Martin de Porras in Poughkeepsie, New York. That's where everyone that's a good basketball player starts, you know, <laughs> shout out, uh, shout out St. Martin CYO. I mean, started there in probably like first or second grade all the way up until ninth grade. But um, that's where I started. And then growing up, you know, just obviously we loved the NBA. We loved um, honestly, it's weird, but Vince Carter has always been my favorite player growing up. And it's probably because of the movie, like Mike <laughs> that you remember that they were beefing with Calvin Cambridge. <laughs> absolute classic. Absolute classic. That is one of the best basketball movies ever. And I remember growing up, I was like, Vince Carter is nasty. I, I like Vince Carter. But um, wasn't really growing up in New York, but Vince Carter was my guy. That's, I mean, I've always wanted to jump, but you guys know me very well. I can't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, St. Martin, CYO, legends. Well, I feel your pain on not being able to jump. I, I agree. <laughs> I think Greg can attest to me not being able to jump over a mop. Yeah, se se seventh grade modified. No, eighth grade, eighth grade modified. We're doing uh, we're doing sprints, and uh, and Jeff's got it a mop to jump over because the floor was so dusty this jumps right into the pole and dust flies everywhere <laughs> yeah but greg uh following up with you who are where'd you begin playing and who are some of your biggest influences growing up yeah same thing as as andrew uh just crossing people up at at st martin's and that's where it all started and uh went on played a little modified a little jv before i took my career to the uh to the stands and made myself a little more valuable in high school by by cheering on the Spartans instead of instead of sitting on the bench. So it was a uh, it was a good time playing basketball growing up. And just in terms of of players that I always liked watching, D Wade was the guy. Um, I just I loved the way that he played, the way that he did it, kind of by himself in Miami. Yeah, he had Shaq, but that 2006 Finals when he averaged like 35 a game was just unbelievable to me. Um, so yeah, D, D Wade was definitely the guy. Um, but you know, even just like family and friends as influences as well, like your dad was, was always, um, a, you know, a big basketball role model for me as well. And, you know, a coach. So, uh, he definitely played a big part and the two of you also just from and pick up in the driveway or whatever it was always kind of fostered my love for the game. Yeah, I agree. And I was actually thinking about this the other day, kind of, you know, when I asked you guys to be on and was kind of thinking about our backgrounds, but St. Martin CIO, like looking back on it was actually a really, you know, positive experience. Um, I think, first of all, like it was just extremely well organized and well set up. I mean, I know I was kind of always coached by my parents along the route. So my, my, you know, my dad is a longtime coach, my mom, same thing, coaching players. So I always had positive experiences uh, in that aspect of, you know, learning the game, um, playing the game in a fun environment. Um, 
you know, talk about if you, Andrew, if you want to just talk about like your experience in St. Martin, like who are some of your coaches, if you remember, and then like, how did that whole process of, you know, you know, learn the game, playing the game, uh, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was always like someone's parent or something. And it was such a tight knit community. I think that was the coolest thing. Um, I'm not sure who my first coach ever was. I think his name was Mr. Ropes. Um, and then uh, Mr. Fields, the person who, who made St. Martin's honestly what St. Martin's is. I mean, what a great program because of that man, he was my coach. He's still doing it. Still doing it. Still doing it. He crushes it. Crazy. Yeah. 20, um, 20 something plus years. Yeah. I mean, and like the Yukon trips, remember those, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and then um, I remember my first time really caring about the game was like fifth grade with like Diamond. Diamond was my coach and then a couple of his friends. And um, after that, sixth grade, I forget who was my coach in sixth grade. And then seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, I think it was all uh, Marty McQuaid. Yeah, the yeah. McQuaid squad. We, we were yeah. on that red team together with uh, Kyle Flanagan. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, that was the Brian actually, Gannon honestly, squad, right? Yeah. Brian Gannon. Brian Gannon. Oh, six foot, Mr. Strom. Mr. Strom was my coach. Yeah, Me, Strom. Randy, Tony Perez. Tony um, Perez. Alex was on it, although he was like five years younger than all of us. And he was like <laughs> starting on the A team. Um, I forget who else was on that team, but I, I, that was a really fun year. Um, Nick Polito, Dean, like it was just like the smack and kill gang of people. Mr. Strom, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, it was great. And then, of course, I think you're, I don't know if I was on one of your parents' team one year. No, they no. never drafted you. <laughs> <laughs> They're a loss. I mean, Buddy averaged two points a game. In a, in a, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, that, that was great. And I, if it wasn't for that in seventh grade, I probably wouldn't have played because you know, I didn't make modified in seventh grade. I, I don't think a lot of kids did because there's a bunch of kids always trying out at Spag. Yeah, modified, modified was competitive as hell. Yeah, There was always like 40, 50 kids at tryouts. And obviously we're like, all right, those 10 aren't making it. And then there was always like a tough group, like, oh, who's going to make it? Who isn't going to make it? And then and uh, AU, I remember my first AU team was coached by the legend, Tom Bell. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you were on that squad and so was a bunch of other people. And then the How worst AU team of all time. The worst AU team of all time. Oh, and however many games we played. Did we never – I think we won one game. It might have been like the last game. I don't think so. I don't think we won. Jeff seems pretty confident that you guys yeah. never won a single game. Jeff, it's yeah. crazy. That was like 16 years ago. That was a long time ago. So that for just some context, way that team started, I tried out for the Playmakers AAU program from where we grow up. Tried out for, I think I was in sixth grade at the time, so like their sixth grade team. And so tryout happened, get home later that night. The guy, Kenny Dawson, who runs it, called my dad. He says, all right, I got two propositions for you. He goes, first, Jeff can play on our sixth grade team. Not sure how much playing time he's going to get. Or you can coach a fourth, fifth, sixth grade team, and he can play for free. And my dad was like, all right, guess. And he said, you have to be the coach to my dad. My dad's like, all right, guess I'm coaching the team. And then we had fourth, fifth, and sixth grades. I remember some tournaments we played in like fourth grade division, other ones we played in like sixth grade division. But yeah, it was just, it was an interesting. AAU is a wild world. Very wild, wild world. And especially it, AAU is a crazy, crazy place. And especially now it's even crazier, but that was back in the day before it even really 
took off and it was an interesting thing. But then, Greg, I want to shift to you because we kind of had a similar experience in St. Martin. I know we played on some teams together and then we actually started coaching together. So just talk about, you know, some of the coaches that you had and like your process of becoming interested in the game through St. Martin's and then shifting into coaching because that's where our coaching careers began. Yeah, I was actually going to go back to what Andrew said when he mentioned that Diamond and some of his buddies were coaching him. And Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was probably one of your favorite years, right? That was probably my second favorite year because they were so young. Like they were just exactly around with us and practices were so fun. Like there were Friday <laughs> nights, like and then yeah. you guys ended up doing this and I saw how much the kids liked you guys. But like Diamond and his friends were probably my favorite coaches, especially because they knew my brother, too. So it was like it was fun. Yeah, exactly. that was when I first started caring about the game. I think they were in college at the time, probably. Yeah, I think they now. were a little older than than when you and I were. Yeah, we're doing it. But but yeah, so so we played through ninth grade. And then that's when you could, had to stop playing was after ninth. Um, and then right in 10th grade, we took our first fifth and sixth grade team. And it was just a blast. And like you said, that's both how we kind of got our start in coaching. And I had never considered coaching as you know, a career or even really a sort of side gig until that opportunity presented itself. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we had some good teams. The The first year we had a devastating loss. I remember Jeff, your brother, Jackson, um, <laughs> we're down, we're down two with like six seconds left and they're on the foul line. They miss it. We rebound and Jackson puts up like a half court shot that looked really good. And then it like hit the ceiling or something <laughs> and, and we lost. Uh, and then our second year, we had a pretty bad loss in the playoffs also. And then our third year, which was our senior year of high school, we, we ended up getting it done and, and won the, won the championship. But, but yeah, definitely that was my, my introduction to, to coaching and, um, you know, kind of set the stage for uh, what I, did in college and ultimately you know for a couple of years after college yeah I think like going back on what Sahani said and what you were mentioning with like Diamond and some of his buddies and I remember one year I was coached by, like my mom was the head coach but then like Joe Marble Chris Yu and there was one more were like helping her out and they were always mm -hmm. coming to practices and for those of you who are listening to this and don't know any of those people like they were just people who played high school basketball for my dad or for our school program um, who most of us were familiar with from just being around the program and going to games growing up. So it was always cool having those people like, you know, be your coach. And, you know, when you're younger, you kind of look up to those guys. Yeah, and, and you see it from both sides too, right? Like, like, so growing up, like we look up to them at, as like, they're the coolest people in the world. Like they're, they were role models for us. Right. Like yeah. I always remember back to like Kevin Davis, right. We're in like fourth and fifth grade and we're going to spack and kill basketball games watching Kevin Davis, like freaking LeBron James. <laughs> and, you know, so, so you really look up to those guys. And then, you know, before you know it, five, six years later, you're in the position to be that guy. Um, and Jeff, I think we were pretty su successful at doing that for the players that we coached. Um, so, yeah, super cool experience for sure. Yeah, I, I remember. Go ahead, Andrew. I remember Stephen Gugamuk. I remember I was like, oh, I know Timmy, like, Timmy's cool, but I remember everyone's like, yo, Steven Gugamuk is like insane at basketball. And then <laughs> literally like fast forward a couple years later and I'm sitting on the bench with him at Gold Gym and he's like coaching me. And I'm like, this is yeah. a wild experience. Like I remember watching you like as a kid and now you're like coaching me in a summer league game when we're playing like Arlington. I was like, this is wild. 
Yeah, and you, and you look back now, and, like, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal because, like, you know, you're older and you have a little more perspective on life. But, like, in the moment, it's, you know, it feels like such a big deal oh, and it seems yeah. so cool. But I think that kind of speaks back to, like, the whole St. Martin and then, like, also – in our area, we had always a lot of good, you know, basketball programs, whether it be Spag and Kill or Poughkeepsie or Arlington or the Wappinger schools. Like those schools were always super successful. And those, you know, players were always, you know, part of the community, at least either through, you know, St. Martin's or AAU in some capacity. I know like Edge Athletics had a huge line of guys who, you know, came through Lords High School um, and that whole, uh, you know, world there as well. So I just think, you know, the kind of the area we grew up in, you know, not the best in terms of basketball talent wise, but I think just in general, like getting people into like introduced into the game and just a positive environment. I think that's was something that was really uh, beneficial. So I'm going to switch now, kind of talk about Jeff, Jeff one last thing, one last yeah, thing ahead. on that. And, and I think you made a great point there in terms of like, not the best area talent wise, but just, a really good developmental program in CYO and it played all the way through to, to high school, you know, and, and it kept kids engaged and gave them an experience that won't be forgotten. You know, how many of us went on to, you know, play in college or, you know, be superstars, not many at all, but I think every single person who ever played CYO or, you know, and then went on to play in high school would have nothing but good things to say. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, they're educated on the game and mm -hmm. they learn something from from that experience that's helped them positively. 100%. Yeah, so I, I think that's... But you made friends too, like friends that you've met. Like you still, I still see some guys at the bar now like, yo, we play CYO. Like, Alex you know, Altman? Yeah, oh yeah, like Alex. <laughs> he's, a, like, he's a classic. Like so many kids from other school districts that you were like, you would have never known in a million years unless you played either Little League with them or... Or CYO. CYO. And it's like, those are friends. Like, you might not be like the best friends in the world, but it's still someone you could like talk to at the bar or just say hello to it. Have memories with, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So then kind of transitioning into high school, just want to talk about, because obviously we played together um, all on JV and then um, switching into the varsity realm. Greg, like you mentioned before, stopped playing and, you know, kind of became actually an instrumental part to the Spanko student <laughs> section during our, our run there my senior year. Um, but just talk about, you know, I, we kind of mentioned a little bit about the program at Spack and Kill. I, I think, you know, looking back on that, um, that was something that really, you know, piqued my interest in the game, obviously with my dad coaching there, but just being able to be around the program and then playing there, uh, some memories you may have. Uh, just go ahead, Greg, if you want to start. Yeah, so just in terms of my playing career, uh, made JV by the by – the, the littlest bit in my freshman year didn't get much playing time, but it was a really good developmental season for my sophomore year where um, I started for, for a good portion of the season. Um, and then after my sophomore year, uh, my dad had moved down to Florida um, and I wanted to spend, you know, some of winter break going down to see him. And um, yeah, I had some stuff going on with school too, where I just made the decision that, you know, I, I think I'm I'm good with basketball, chose to just focus on playing golf. But, you know, I, I still felt like I was a big part of this back and kill basketball community. Um, and like you said, Jeff, uh, I think my biggest contribution to this back and kill basketball ended up being 
senior year rallying the troops to to get everybody to uh to go to the games and uh cheer on the squad that ended up winning the sectional title um but yeah even just playing jv was always so fun and that's honestly how andrew and i became friends uh my sophomore year his freshman year um that was you know really what what started our friendship um so yeah a lot of a lot of good memories and experiences through through spec hoops yeah, and I think we can all pretty much say our basketball careers were pretty similar in terms of our roles and our abilities. <laughs> um, you know, all kind of freshman year on JV, didn't get much playing time, you know, barely made the team. And then, you know, being able to then at, as a uh, sophomore, you know, get the opportunity to play a little bit. And then I know for me personally on varsity, um, you know, 11th grade, didn't really play much. Senior year had some opportunities, but then at the end of the year, more kind of uh, – you know, pl player coach almost as I kind of viewed it. I was just mm -hmm. trying to help out the, you know, younger kids who, and we had Eds, um, you know, uh, Strom, Stanley was on varsity at the time, Cameron Abelos, like all those guys took my minutes and I really didn't care because I just wanted the team to be successful and just try to help those guys out. And then I know Andrew, you're kind of the same way, you know, you know, junior year, not much playing time and then senior year had some opportunities as well, but just talk about your experience um, at Spack and Kill. Um, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I'll start in seventh grade. I, I, I didn't make it in seventh grade. Like we were talking about, like so many kids tried out and then freshman year, honestly, thanks to you guys. I remember vividly, I remember messaging Greg on Facebook. I'm like, yo, tryouts next week. Like, what do I got to do? Right. What do I got to do? Like this, that, and the other thing. And eventually like ended up making it freshman year. Not a ton of minutes. Yeah, but by, by then, by then Jeff and I had the, the coach yeah. bell formula down we knew oh, what he wanted <laughs> every, every, yeah you guys knew it and i remember greg was like do this do this i think he was like take a charge or something yeah and i might have even done that like yeah play, play hard and oh, don't yeah. mess up the drill yeah. yeah i was yeah. just gonna say that don't mess up and play hard take a charge do something Dive on the and, and not, not even don't mess up in in like a physical basketball sense but like just don't directions yeah follow the directions be, and like do simple. the drills around way <laughs> like just keep it simple and then i remember freshman year greg every time bell was like go shoot free throws you and me would just take the main basket <laughs> yeah that decide, and we just that's what but um yeah uh jv as a eight, uh ninth grader and as a sophomore varsity as a junior shout out that 2014 team that team was stacked um and then as a senior you know not playing a ton either but still some minutes there you know helping out the young guys, um, shout out John Tim, Kiev, but, um, yeah, I think my, my junior year was really a lot of fun learning from a lot of the guys, um, in your grade, you know, D-Lo and, and Jenks and Timmy. And then, um, senior year was, it was tough. I think we lost in like a semifinal game to Marlboro, which was always a, a really good program, but yeah, not, not a ton. And, uh, you know, I think Jeff, you, me and Greg were all the same, when it came to basketball, at least, you know, we, we had other sports that we excelled in, whether it was golf or football, but our, our role there was to, you know, be, be a minute, like you go in, you better just play defense and, and don't honestly don't mess up and yeah. you know, keep it simple. You, you knew the offense cause you, all you did was watch the game and, you know, we were on the, on the bench a decent amount, but like, honestly, we were just the energy guys, like go in, do something good for two minutes, get out. Like, um, you know, we're probably weren't the most skilled offensively, but we knew the defense, we knew how, the sets and we would always get the crowd hype. You know? <laughs> I remember yeah, you do, you do something good and everyone, everyone's like, Oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it, it was always fun. I mean, like, but 
the, the program at Spack and Kill was just great. I mean, the coaches, you know, shout out Tom Bell, shout out Coach Feely, like just unbelievable guys, unbelievable coaches, you know, they played us hard, but I always say we were always a, a solid team. We, we knew what to do, when to do it. I mean, and there was always success yeah. in, that, in that program, whether it was a section chip or at least getting to the chip and either unfortunately losing in it or just, but we were always one of the teams that people were like, those kids are good. They play good defense. They can shoot the ball. And they didn't really mess up. Like we were simple teams. No one really could play with like fundamental. Yeah. Yes. No one, no one played with much swag other than honestly, probably like, ads, but like yeah. <laughs> but other than that, when you're a bucket, you're a bucket. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, when you can, when you could drop 38 in a, in a section chip, you could, you know, but honestly, just guys that played hard. That's what we did. And it's a great place. Great program. You could say it just about a, every athletics program there. Honestly, like, and I've, I've said this a million times. I have no regrets about where I grew up, where I went to high school or the sports I played. Like we great coaches, great, everything, you know, great place. Yeah. One, one thing that you said that, that I think is definitely rings true um, in terms of the, the basketball program at Spack and Kill. Like we had, we had two varsity coaches, like, yeah. like Jeff's dad was a very successful uh, girls basketball coach at Poughkeepsie at the varsity level, took some time away to, to be with his family when the kids were young and then came back and coached JV. So like we had Feely who goes down as like Dutchess County's best basketball coach. And then we had another varsity coach coaching JV. I don't think too many schools had two varsity coaches in their, in their program. Um, so yeah, we were definitely spoiled in that sense. Yeah. And I don't think just only that, I think, the key is that they worked well together because obviously if you have two mm -hmm. varsity coaches, you know, coach, my dad knew what coach Feely was perfectly like coach Feely focused on offense was very, you know, in that regards. I remember when I was younger, my dad was just telling me like, Oh, coach Feely went out to a Gonzaga practice and he was saying they don't talk about defense the whole time. And he learned all this stuff on offense. And, but my dad knew like what coach Feely ran. He ran the same stuff on JV. He knew that, by the time we got to varsity, we needed to know what defense was and how to play it because we weren't going to really touch on it much when we got to varsity. So not only did they have two varsity coaches, just two varsity coaches that work well. I don't think, you know, necessarily. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Because I think a lot, you know, if you have two varsity coaches or two successful coaches in general, you know, a lot of times they have differing philosophies and, th and things like that, and it doesn't work out. But I remember you know, once we graduated in 2014 and Feely told us he wasn't coming back and, you know, my dad eventually get in that position, everyone was good, like, talk to him, like, oh, like, what are you going to change? And my dad was like, nothing, like nothing, we're yeah. gonna run, our, run the same stuff. Like the stuff coach Feely runs with our program has worked for however long he's been here before. You know, if you think about Spank Hill basketball, us growing up, how many times were we below 500? Probably not much. And one of the times we were, we won the state championship with Sean Feely and those yeah. guys. <laughs> Um, so, you know, always successful programs, two coaches who knew what they were talking about and worked well. And I think, you know, for anyone kind of associated with the program, you know, not only played it, but, you know, there was always that respect around Spanko basketball, like kind of Angie was saying and, yeah. you, and you were touching on. So I think that's good. Um, before was, we move, yeah, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say to, to kind of wrap up that thought, it was, it was two teams, but it was one program, yes. you know, and, and like you said, your dad taught everybody how to defend and by the time you got to varsity, if you didn't know how to defend, you didn't see the floor. Right. And it's like just kind of that transition period. You're going from one team to the next, but you're staying in the same program. And I think that was, was the cause of a lot of success. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. 
All right, just gonna transition now. We'll kind of we can come back to uh, kind of high school and some of our favorite memories at the end. We're gonna <laughs> move on to um, now kind of going into college. So Andrew, you start with you first. You graduated uh, Spankill 2015, went to Marist. Talk to us about how you became a practice player for the women's program there. You know, how did you kind of get into that? Um, and then what was it like being around such a storied Marist women's program and such a you know legendary coach and Coach Georges? For sure. So. As soon as I got there, I was, I wasn't sure if I wanted to try to like walk on and play football because you know it was, I might have played in Division three football or whatever. I was, but I heard that you could be a practice player from an admissions counselor. He was like, yeah, like I think you're able to get paid or get some type of credit or something like that. So, ended up just emailing Coach uh, Dominique Bryant, who's now at Vermont. I was like, hey, you know, I want to be a practice player. I played uh, two years of varsity in high school. I played JV. I told her everything. She was like, great, um, we're having a walk-on tryout. Um, just come and I'll work you out like on the side. So ended up doing that. Literally just shot around for a couple minutes. She was like, yeah, you're definitely you know good enough to, to be a practice player. So ended up just going to practice one day. There was a seven other guys, six other guys. And um, I was honestly nervous because it was Brian Georges. And if you're from Poughkeepsie, Brian Georges is a legend. I mean, won probably like 10 state titles at Lords. I, I don't even know the facts, but he he was just such a legend so I, I was I remember he came over and he spoke to us he was just like I don't have many rules just don't do anything that my girls probably wouldn't see you know like try to dunk on them or anything like that and the second rule was like don't hurt the girls yeah, I was just gonna say don't get anybody hurt yeah <laughs> and other and then he was just like all right other than that play hard make us better you're you know you're here for a reason and that's to you know defend and on offense run what we what we tell you to run and honestly it was I've said this before and I'll keep saying it. It was probably my favorite thing about Maris the whole four years. Um, the girls, honestly, just, they, they took us in and they were just like, we, we made them better. We worked them hard. I mean, on the court, it was kind of competitive and they'd get pissed off and we'd get pissed off. But at the end of the day, we just, we just made each other better basketball players and the coaches were amazing. And I can't say enough good things about coach Georges. I mean, he, he would crack on us and all that stuff, but you know, we, we helped make them better with, I hope, we did that, but um, it was a great four years. Honestly, we, we would just show up. We played defense for an hour and a half a day, which which is tiring, and then we'd get uh, rewarded. Yeah, it's a good like workout, minutes. I was going to say. Yeah, we'd get rewarded with like 15, 20 minutes of scrimmaging, and, you know, it, it was just great being around those girls because growing up in the area, you, you hear the names, you see them in the newspaper. It's like those are, they're local celebrities, and they, and they still are to this day. It's just – and then you're just thrown right in. It's like, oh, Brian Georges knows my name. Like, I – I know Brian George very well. Like it, it was a very cool thing. Um, and then just, just working there after it, it, it was awesome. Cause you know, it's just, Oh, it's coach, you know, it's, but um playing there with them for four years, they said I was the first one ever to do it. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. You know, I, I was just there all the time in the summer. We'd just go play pickup with the girls, which is, it's just the most fun. And, and, you can't, I can't say enough good things about that program, about all those, the girls that I've, that I've played with over the years and about the other practice players. I mean, just a bunch of hoopers, some from Albany, some from Connecticut, Long Island, like just a bunch of guys that played basketball and they loved the game. And, you know, it, it was one big family. So it was awesome. Loved it. But the yeah, best thing about a lot of those, a lot of the players ended up being some of your like good friends in college too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm still friends, still talk to a bunch of them to this day. And, Honestly, the coolest the, the coolest story probably about this is he was a his name's Terrence Eccles, legend. He was a, a manager on the men's team 
And I remember we were, it was my senior year and I think we needed like one or two more practice players. So we took Terrence and we took Eddie Whitman actually too, who was also a manager. And then the next year, Terrence walks onto the men's team. So like, that's the coolest thing. Like you're just, um, you know, you're just showcasing your talent, but you're also helping make the girls better. It, it was awesome. I loved it. I think it's a great thing because um, girls obviously don't see guys that are 6'2", probably 225 at the time is, is what I was. And, you know, just playing hard, you know, beating up on them and they're beating up on you. You know, you're just trying to make them better, trying to, yeah. Yeah, and great. for some context regarding Brian Georges and Maris, like not only just, you know, a locally successful program, but on a national stage, countless NCAA tournament appearances. Like it's when we were growing up, uh, you know, pretty much every year, it was Marist in the, in the NCAA tournament, many NCAA tournament wins, a sweet 16 appearance for such a small school. So uh, not like you said, like local celebrities, but, you know, local celebrities who can back it up and have serious accolades to their, to their names. And I remember growing up, you know, me and my dad went to pretty much all the games because coach Georges was pretty much a, a good, my dad's first mentor when he first started coaching girls and coach Georges was at Lords uh, previously. And, you know, we saw university of Oklahoma play at Marist. We saw Kentucky play at Marist. Like you don't see that much from a, such a small program. Uh, so yeah, that must've been uh, super special. All right, Greg, switching over to you. So you graduated Spank Hill with me 2014, uh, went to Springfield college, actually played on the college golf team there. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit of like what it was like playing college athletics and then how you transitioned from playing college athletics to then working with their basketball program at Springfield? Yeah. So, so even, you know, a Andrew went to a, a bigger D one school. I was at a smaller private uh, D three school. Um, but yeah, I had the opportunity to play college golf there, which was unbelievable. Uh, just the courses that, that you get to play, um, the, the players that you get to play with, the people that you meet was, was really cool. Um, yeah. And I was lucky enough to do it for, for all four years. And, you know, I, I met a lot of people within, uh, the Springfield athletic department, which ultimately, uh, ended up helping me get a job with the men's basketball team um, where I was a manager, uh, director of ops kind of position. Uh, it was kind of funny how it all started. I like knew that I kind of wanted to, to work in basketball. So I just emailed the coach and he was like, I'm not too sure what I'm going to have you do, but you know, like I know who you are. I know that you're, you're a Springfield athletics guy. So, so just show up on day one and, and we'll go from there. So I kind of created my own role in the sense of like just showing up and recognizing little things that needed to be done. Right. Like I walked in, got there early and saw the scoreboard sitting there. So I went over and plugged it in. Um, and you know, those, those things didn't go unnoticed and, ultimately my, my role grew and got bigger. And, you know, before I know it, I'm at the scorers table at the final four, um, which was, which was an incredible experience. Um, that was the 2018 season. Uh, we had a couple studs and made a nice little run at the end of the year and, uh, had some exciting games down the stretch to, to have a chance to play for a national title. Um, fortunately fell a little bit short, but, just an awesome ride being a part of that team and uh, made a lot of good friendships. I, I live with one of the captains uh, from the team now. So uh, just really cool to be a part of and uh, really cool to see how my, my role there developed. 
Yeah, so it kind of sounds like it's kind of like what you made it to be uh, in a sense. Yeah, it, it was it was almost like the coach kind of just rolled the dice on me. It was like, hey, this is a guy that wants to help. You know, let's see, you know, how much he wants to be involved in what he actually wants to do. And I think it just, just goes to show that, like, if you want something and you're willing to put in the work to do it, like, you can, you can accomplish it. And I, I think it also says that, if you have a good leader, nothing goes unnoticed, right? We had a great legend, legend of a coach who uh, is just retiring this year now, Charlie Brock. Um, and I think he had an eye for, for people who did little things well. Um, and ultimately, I think that's why he was so successful as a coach. Yeah, so that kind of tailors with previously on the podcast, I had Jack Fayhead, who you know from Hoop Group, one Jack. of my buddies from uh, JMU, but we were both managers at JMU. We started off both as volunteers and he said the same thing, like kind of going into our position as like volunteer managers, like it's pretty much what you made it to be. Like, you know, at, me and him were similar where, you know, in that position, we were really hungry for, for more. So we were, you know, first ones in, last one out. And like you said, doing the small things that, you know, a good leader, you know, notices. And so that kind of both helped us progress throughout our careers while we we're at JMU. Sounds like it did the same for you. Uh, next sure. up, just talk about how you transitioned from, you know, working at Springfield uh, that year and then transitioning uh, at, into SUNY New Paltz uh, as an assistant coach and talk about what some of your roles and responsibilities were there. Yeah, definitely. So um, I was really thankful that we ended up going to the final four. I think that was a big reason that, you know, I, I became a, legitimate candidate for an assistant coaching position and you know obviously the more people you know it, it helps so the fact that your dad was there was was obviously a big boost for me um but yeah Co coach kenny was was uh, great to work for uh was at new paltz for two years and i think the best part was i was going from a team that had just gone to the final four to a team that was just starting a, a rebuilding process so I kind of got to see two different sides of division three basketball but I think being a part of bringing new Paltz up was something that was really special and the job that uh, both coach Kenny and your dad uh, did and uh, your, your dad's obviously not there anymore but uh, coach Kenny is continuing to do um, it was cool to to be a part of that in the beginning stages and um you know, we, we had a, we had a really good group of guys, the two years that I was there and guys who were just trying to figure out the best way to win and the best way to play, um, you know, with a young coach and two assistant coaches who don't have a ton of college experience. It was a learning curve for everybody. That's, that's what I want to go with is it, it was a learning curve for everybody. And uh, I think everybody turned out better for it. Yeah. And I know kind of, you know, like you say, my dad was there and it was a complete rebuild. I know prior to you going there, when my dad started, you know, New Paltz hadn't had a winning season since the early 1990s. I yeah, think when Coach was. Kenny was playing. Yeah, when, when he was a coach was the there. Time. So obviously he had a, you know, a lot of pride coming back to his former school and, you know, wanting to make it a successful program. Um, I know prior to there, he was a JV coach. So like you said, like you had a pretty much – inexperienced head coach but a coach who was successful at the program and who really cared about it uh, 
longtime successful varsity JV and then varsity a coach again and my dad and then you know you and coach weary and some of the other people who are there you know all just trying to figure it out together and getting along but it looks like it's turned out for the best I know new Pulp's had a good year this year uh finished as one of the top teams in the, in the SUNYAC uh so looks like he's getting it done and uh, you know obviously you and my dad and coach weary have had you know a big responsibility in that as well uh Andrew want to shift back to you because um I know you mentioned that after uh, graduating from Marist, you stayed along and you started your professional career at Marist. Uh, just talk to us about how your prior knowledge and insight of the Marist basketball program helped you once you began your professional career. Yeah. Real quick, shout out, Greg, you know, throwing me on the comp list. I, I coached a, a bunch of games when I was a student at Marist. I remember I was just, you know, basketball junkie, wanted to go watch some Division three hoops on a Friday night. So that's, that's where I would be. Um, but yeah, so... After graduating from Marist, I actually, I worked at a startup in New York for a little bit. And I remember it was like my third week there and I, and I saw that the Marist shop opened. So I emailed the athletic director and I was like, Hey, if this is open, you know, I'd love to just apply or, you know, just honestly have it. And then um, they were closing in on a candidate. And then thankfully that candidate fell through because of like a, another week or two later, um, they reached out to me, uh, I interviewed, and then real quick, I was brought on board. So just um, honestly, kind of like what Greg said about being around a Springfield athletics guy, I was a Marist athletics guy. Like I was a practice player for four years. So coach Georges knew me, you know, coach Aaron knew me, Maggie, like everyone knew who I was. And then when I wasn't a practice player, I was working for um, the assistant AD, um, Zach Harkenrider, also Shout a playmaker guy. So I was working with him uh, being a student worker. I did that for like two, three years. So um, just everyone kind of knew knew that my face at least or knew my name. So it was kind of an easy transition. You know, I, I got in right away, but I didn't know a lot of the behind the scenes, the administrative stuff that made Marist, Marist made games run, made everything happen. So um, there's so I, much that goes into a D1 event. It, it's it's really crazy and I had no idea that so many things happened or where the control room was I was I was there to help you know keep the gym clean and then I was here to uh, there to help work out the girls basketball team but other than that I didn't know anything about marketing ticketing advertising anything like that so um I started in August 2019 and um they, ju they just kind of knew who I was and it, I think there was a learning curve because I really didn't know the behind the scenes I was I was a fan I was a spectator first before I was um, an administrator. So ended up learning a lot really fast. Um, and then as soon as basketball season hit, I was kind of like, you know, getting into the groove of things. And um, Greg, you're 100% right. There's a ton that goes into working um, a basketball game as as administrator. I mean, as a coach, you're getting the team ready. You're making sure everything's good operationally. And then as an administrator, you're doing that and then some. Um, but yeah, it, it was great. Just um, they knew who I was. So I came in, worked hard, worked, uh, did it for two years, did it through the pandemic, um, doing a bunch of jobs that weren't very, you know, it wasn't sports, but you know, you're doing what you can to, to help out. Yeah. You were doing You were like doing the COVID testing and everything, right? Yeah. Doing COVID testing, helping out, helping the school because when sports aren't happening, you know, you kind of got to, to show your worth. So doing stuff for the school, helping out with COVID testing, helping out and just about anywhere on campus that they needed us. But, um, the first year it was a lot of sports until the tournament or until COVID shut down the tournament. And then after that, it was all COVID until August. And then, um, you know, it, it was great, you know, had a very successful time there as two years. Um, 
when my two years was up, I was starting to look for other jobs and, um, you know, I got a couple job offers and then I was speaking with the athletic director and they, they promoted me to be the assistant director of external affairs, kind of helping out more, um, doing other administrative stuff. So it was great. And then until recently in uh, October of 2021, you know, got a, got a job offer to join St. Peter's university, also a Mac school, um, down in Jersey city. And I've been here uh, ever since. So it's been great, but yeah. Yeah. Shout out. And we'll definitely get to the St. Peter's stuff a little bit later. Um, but yeah, no, like you were saying, and what kind of like Greg said, all the stuff that goes on behind a athletic event in college athletics is pretty crazy. I know, you know, when I was working as a manager, you know, being on the court, just kind of warming up the guys, you just kind of notice the facilities, people making sure, you know, everything was ready to go. You know, the marketing people getting whatever promotion was that day or, you know, whatever they had going on set up. And then you had the ticket ticketing people, security people, and then, and my, once I got promoted to video coordinator, the whole video side of it as well is just extremely uh, crazy and, and mind blowing. So definitely understand that aspect of it. Tons of stuff that goes on. Want to shift now to after college. So Greg, we'll start with you because I want to save St. Peter's for a little bit later. Um, but so now you, uh, during COVID-19, you transitioned into the business world and now uh, you're getting your master's degree. Uh, just talk to us about now, uh, kind of being more on the business side of things, how, um, you know, basketball or your experiences, what you may have learned relates in your new line of work. And then what's next for you after uh, you get your master's degree? Yeah, definitely. So it was kind of crazy. I never expected to, to leave New Paltz. It was, I was definitely planning on staying there. Uh, you know, we were in talks of, you know, making my position, um, you know, a, a little higher paying of a role. And there are some going to be some other opportunities for me within the athletics uh, communications department as well. So it was really my plan to, to stay at New Paltz. And then, uh, you know, COVID hits and college athletics, big question mark, you know, like if students aren't on campus, you can't have college athletics employees. Um, so, you know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and, you know, knew that I had to kind of apply for anything and everything. And, you know, my education in college was communications and uh, English. So, I had a pretty broad um, experience and, and I felt like I was a, a, a good communicator and, um, you know, a smart enough person to be able to kind of figure things out. So I knew I had a couple friends looking to move to the Hartford area. So I kind of started looking for jobs there, ended up uh, landing a job at uh, the Hartford, uh, the insurance company and sales. And I never would have thought that my experience as a coach or my experience in basketball would be as relevant in my job as it is just in the sense of, of you know, after I was there for about a year or so, I, I kind of went into a little more of a leadership role where I'm starting to train some, some new hires and uh, do some coaching with, with people. And, you know, it's obviously a different format, um, but it's all the same principles you know, in terms of how you communicate with people and uh, how you provide feedback and how you um, have to tailor your coaching style to different personalities and different behavior styles. Um, it's, it's all the same stuff. And I think that's a big part of why I've been successful in this position that I've had no previous experience or uh, thoughts of ever entering this world. And here I am. And 
Um, you mentioned my, my master's degree that I'm getting as well in, in leadership and coaching. And it's the same thing. Uh, a lot, some of it is sport focused. Other aspects are very business related. Um, but it, it's all the same in both worlds. And I'm forever grateful for my experience in sports because it rings hundred percent true to, to what I'm doing right now. And it's kind of crazy because you don't really think about it like that when you're playing sports or coaching sports, but it's all the same stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I don't want to jump off that and mention when I was at JMU, I would see a lot of the coaches uh, reading a lot um, and being able to, you know, develop some good relationships with them and talk with them a lot. I would always kind of, you know, ask them like what they're reading about and things along those lines. And a lot of times they weren't even reading basketball books. They're reading like leadership books. Yeah. And, it was business leadership. Yeah. And coaches then love that stuff. I know like it was, uh, you know, some military leadership stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, what goes on in creating a positive organization or culture. Um, and I think like kind of what you said with, you know, the business environment and kind of, you know, having tailoring things to, you know, different clients or personnel, um, that stuff extends to what I'm in now. And, you know, I kind of did the same route of, with COVID, went back to school to get my master's and now I'm going into teaching. Same thing, like each class has a different, you know, group of kids. You're going to have to teach one way to one group, teach another thing to one group. I think that can be pretty much seen throughout Um, And yeah, I think, you know, coaching and being a leader has a lot to do with that um, as well. So, and and I think that's why, I think that's why sports are so important, right? Like a lot of people say like, oh, sports are trivial or should come second or like sports don't matter that much. But like, to me, that's just total BS because the amount that all three of us have taken and learned from sports and have applied to what we do in our everyday lives is astronomical. Like, to me like I'm I'm just so amazed that every single day I do things in my job that I can directly relate to an experience that I've had in sports and I think that's kind of crazy yeah I think touching back on it too like growing up in that environment that kind of fosters that you know passion for sports and then participating in sports and then you know we've had experiences in college and coaching sports and all that stuff teach you so many life lessons that can be transferred. And I completely agree. I think that, you know, that plays a major role and being in a positive organization and learning, you know, roles, responsibilities and how everyone is teamwork, sportsmanship. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I think all that stuff is, it plays uh, a major part, but Andrew going to come back to you now with the St. Peter's Peacocks baby. So just talk to us a little bit. First of all, um, how your transition was from Maris to St. Peter's, uh, what are your roles and responsibilities at St. Peter's before we kind of get into the basketball stuff in the March Madness room? For sure. So um, uh, I'm the assistant AD for marketing and engagement, which is kind of just a, a nice title for do a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, um, you know, make things work, make things operate and do all that. But um, yeah, the, the transition was great. I mean, I knew a lot about St. Peter's already coming from Maris and, and you know, playing against them. They're, you know, they're in our conference, so we play them twice a year, just about in everything and every sport. Um, but the transition was great, you know, uh, got the chance to move out of the parents' house, you know, move to uh, the Jersey area. So transition went smooth. And then obviously um, I started two weeks right before basketball season. So got to turn a lot around, you know, and get things ready. Um, my main job is to honestly just promote and um, do a just about everything that needs to be done from a, a game op standpoint and uh, promote the teams on social media. So I'm part of the external affairs team, which 
We do everything from communications, marketing, game operations, advertising, um, promotions, fan engagement, all of that type of stuff. Um, so my main day-to-day, you know, I oversee the main social media accounts. I've definitely had some fun doing a lot of social media stuff during the tournament. And then on the other side, it's the operational stuff. It's, you know, the emails, the watch parties, it's the off-campus events. It's all that type of stuff. A lot of season ticket stuff, um, you know, kind of have to wear a lot of hats being at a smaller school, but it, it is what it is. And, and you just make it work, um, whether you're sending out a tweet or you're getting a, the arena ready for a basketball game. So kind of do a ton. Um, transition was great. You know, honestly, it, it's been so much fun. And then obviously March hits and um, it, it, the world saw kind of what happened on that level, which uh, was amazing. I mean, after we won the conference championship, it was just like, wow, this is crazy. We want to want a conference trip. Let's go back. But then once you go back, you got to make sure, all right, where are we doing the watch party? We're doing it in the arena. We got to put it on the video board. So a lot of my jobs, the video boards, the lights, the game operations, game presentation is a, is a big part of my job. And honestly, probably my, the fa- my favorite part about my job. Um, but yeah, uh, March was insane. April was insane. And it's something forever that I could talk about. I mean, it was the most fun I think I've ever had working in sports since graduating. So it was, I can't say enough thing. It, it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. So my, my next question, the one thing I'm most interested about is you kind of touched on a day-to-day, you know, wearing a lot of hats. Now, fast forward that into, okay, you win the conference tournament. All right. And then you shot Kentucky with an upset and then it just keeps escalating from there and further and further along. Talk to us about how, you know, you talked about a little bit your normal day to day and how you wore a lot of hats. Once that run run happened, like looking back on it and even while during it, like talk to us about like how much your whole world and the St. Peter's whole athletics department just kind of, you know, operated and, and things along those lines. Yeah, it was it was just crazy. As soon as I remember I was working with someone across campus in the student activities office. She was like, we're like, all right, we're doing a watch party. We'll do it on campus. You know, how do we do it? What do we do? How much food are we ordering? This, that, the other thing, who's going to cover it from a, you know, our social media perspective. And I was like, all right. So, you know, you do a a lot of stuff behind the scenes, the emails, that, whatever. And then you, you get there and, you know, that's the fun part. I'm just taking videos, tweeting. And then, you know, the game's going on. You're like, okay, this is, wow we're wow we're playing well oh my god yes how many points it's and next thing you know it's like oh and you could i'm not gonna curse but it was like holy yeah we can win this game we're we're about to win this game and you know doug hits a couple big shots and next thing you know it's like what and then as soon as that's done it's like all right let's cover it on social media make sure people know how, how good we are at our jobs you know you know let's get the follower count up let's do all that and then it's let's get back to work we got to plan another watch party we have to, you know, um, our SIDs have to do releases. We got to make graphics. We got to send out email blasts. We got to do ticketing stuff. We got to, so as soon as it, it was a lot of fun, but it was also a lot of work. And well, and, and I'm sorry if you weren't done, but, but to me, that's the most impressive part. Like you guys were not prepared for a situation like that. Like you obviously hope for a situation like that, but nobody, yeah. thought St. Peter's was going to the Elite Eight, like no. Duke, Kentucky, Houston, like those big high-level D1 programs know what it's like to go to a Final Four, and, and they have the bodies to yeah, – for it. Exactly. They have the bodies and the staff to be able to manage that, whereas you guys have a small athletic department with 
you know, half the amount of people trying to do the same amount of work, which I think yeah. is crazy impressive. Yeah. yeah. The fact that it was, it was six of us total doing every single thing from, you know, obviously there's other people that are helping us out, but like, we're, we're, we're doing the bulk of this stuff. And then on then shout out Jersey city because Jersey city and you know, everyone has like New Jersey pride that that's a thing, but then there's also, and I learned this, you know, firsthand there's Jersey city pride. Like everyone came together. Everyone was helping out like, Hey, you need this with that. Like the whole school came together and it was so fun to be a part of, you know, like when, when your team's winning and everyone's going nuts, it, it's just the coolest thing. And, you know, it's, I don't know if it's still like sunk in yet, like what we did, cause I haven't really had time, you know, and as soon as that's done, it's like, all right, let's get ready for baseball, softball. I was just going to say there's track. other sports happening. Like, yeah, like track golf. Like we still had other sports that we had to cover. So we went from, you know, being the first ever uh, 15 seed to go to the elite eight and like the third uh, 15 seed ever to make the sweet 16. Like it was just all that into, all right, go cover baseball, softball, golf, track and field. And then now we're just finally catching our breath, but like, it's done unbelievable things for the school. It's done amazing things for the social media, like the stuff that like, I would just put out a tweet and next thing you know, it's like a thousand likes. Like, this is <laughs> awesome. Like I, I didn't even have to work hard. And like, I remember our GA Trevor, he put out that, that I don't know if you guys saw, but we painted the state of Kentucky blue and we put like a script St. Peter's in the peacock head. And like that got like 16 likes. And my boss tweeted, I mean, LOL. And it got like 70,000 likes. Like it was just the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Like, and we were all just tweeting, having fun. And um, we all say it's like everyone did their job and they did it well. Like whether it was our graduate assistants helping with the videos and, you know, helping coverage it or, you know, uh, you know, my boss helping out with tweeting, kind of doing it all. Like me doing the watch party stuff, covering it on the main social media accounts. Like it was just unbelievable and it still hasn't sunk in. And I can't say enough good things about my coworkers and my team. And then honestly, I can't say enough good things about Jersey city. I mean, the whole country kind of came behind us and let's be real at, at the end of the day, we, we might have favorite college teams, but you're always rooting for the underdog in March. Like you're always rooting always. for the other, like the coolest thing ever is, you know, UMBC beating Virginia or um, Oral Roberts, like beating, I forget who they beat and us beating Kentucky, Purdue, like all this stuff, like, everyone was coming together and it was, it's still the coolest thing that I've ever gotten to be a part of. Um, and I can't say enough good things about, you know, my, my team in, in Jersey city, it's been unbelievable. Yeah. And, and one thing I was going to say was you kind of brought up like Oral Roberts. I think the first time we saw that was obviously kind of like Florida Gulf coast. Like they were kind of yeah, like the first yeah. ones to do it. And then you look, you know, recently there's been some 15 teams who, who have won a game, but, you know, you guys were really the first to make that deep of a run. Obviously, first team to ever make it to the Elite Eight. But, you know, you look at Oral Roberts, like they had the nation's leading score on their team, yeah. like throughout the season. Like it felt like it was like a run we've never seen before. Like like you were mentioned, like one of the not even one of the most like less funded programs in your conference, like the entire country out of all division one and yeah. just to see the, you know, impact that that's had not only on your school, but then, like you said, like nationwide, like, you know, everyone's rooting for the underdog and St. Peter's is now on a national stage. It was super cool to see. And it's really cool that you got to, you know, be behind everything in that. So. Yeah. Like I was, I remember as soon as the game would be over, it'd be like 11 o'clock and I would just like scroll through Twitter from like our main account and be like, Oh, Magic Johnson tweeted about us. That's cool. Like John Morant. Oh, JJ Reddick. Like all like, just about every single 
you know, celebrity basketball star, like everyone was just tweeting about us. Like, and it was just so cool to see that the, like, like the whole country kind of, I remember Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, like every, literally every single person. And as soon as the game would be over, I'd get like a hundred texts on my phone from like, from you guys, from like other teammates for like, from other like coworkers, like group Marist coworkers. college. It was just like, everyone would be like, Oh my God, like, this is crazy. And it was so much fun. Um, but it was just unbelievable. And like, like you said, Jeff, like all these other schools that have the nation's leading scorer or this, that like, we're, we're a school. Um, it's not honestly in the best area, you know, our, our gym's small. We don't have a ton of resources, but I think that's like the coolest thing about March Madness. And honestly, the best thing about the game of basketball, and you guys know this, but like you can go play pickup and you could play against five studs, but if the five other, you know, schmucks on the other team play harder than you, they'll win that game. Like, it's all about the just it's five on five. It's not like football. It's not like all these other sports where, you know, you there's going to be a clear winner. Basketball is a very special sport. If you play hard, you will be the you got a shot. Yeah. The over talented team nine out of 10 times. Like it's that's it was unreal. And it still that's, is following that up. I, like going back to, you know, Spanko basketball, like Coach Feely, I, he always have a phrase like respect everyone, fear no one. Like, that's the perfect, like, yeah. if you, like, go into the same thing with St. Peter's and just the game of basketball, like you said, in general, like, there's a reason why you play the games. Like you mentioned, it's not like any other sport. Like, you know, a lot of other sports, you know, baseball, if you have a stud pitcher, like, you're pretty much going to win. Yeah. Like, basketball, if your best player has an off-shooting night, like, you know, it's anyone's game. And we saw that throughout Marsh Madden, St. Peter's. You guys were able to hang around and stay close in all the games and pull it out in the end. And I think that was, you know, just really cool and fun to see, like, a said before but uh really cool want to shift now because this is going on right now but the phoenix suns are down 30 points at the half 37 27 mavs are up at the half luka Doncic has the same amount of points as the phoenix suns wow yeah luka had 27 in the first half phoenix suns had 27 in the first half the mavericks are at 57 27 in phoenix game seven too wow seven so I know this game's going on right now. We, ha- we haven't been able to watch it at all, but uh, just kind of want to talk about the NBA playoffs a little bit and what you guys have noticed so far. So, Greg, I'll start with you because I know we've been chatting it up a little bit in a, in a group chat. Um, you know, what have you seen from NBA playoffs? Who are you impressed with? Who are you backing? What you got? Well, my main thing, the, my first thing that I've noticed throughout these playoffs is, like, the NBA is so freaking good. Like the NBA is so good. The talent that exists at the NBA level is unreal. Like, yes, March Madness is fun to watch, but like those guys are not even close to the level of talent at the NBA. And um, for me, it's been uh, it's, it's been Jason Tatum, like watching Jason Tatum and what he can do with the basketball, like is incredible. And to me, it's like a combination of Kobe and LeBron in terms of play style right? Like can get to the rim and finish strong, but can also hit that like soft fadeaway. And I I think watching Jason Tatum is, is it's like a show. Um, But uh, apparently Luca is going off right now too. So we'll see about the Mavs, but I think the team that is flying under the radar the most right now is the heat. Like, they're not that flashy. Like they don't have that like true superstar, like the Celtics do or like the Bucks do or um, like the Warriors do, 
but man, they just defend so well and everybody's always in the right spot. And I think Spolstra is probably the most underrated coach in the league. Like he's been around forever and just year in and year out, he gets it done. Um, so honestly, at this point, the heat are my, the heat are my pick. Greg, I know you know me and I was a big time heat hater back in the day with the big three. And yeah. I used to think Spolster was the most overrated coach ever. And, you know, LeBron carried everything. But since LeBron's left and what he's been able to do over the last few years, he's definitely, like you said, one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA. If not, you know, I think he's a top five coach, to be honest. Like, yeah, every year sure. the Heat are solid. But one thing I want to mention about the Heat, I was watching, I think it was like game two or something like that in this last series. And they had like a really interesting lineup in with like Max Struess and Oladipo and Gabe Vincent and – I don't remember who the commentator was, but they were like, this lineup on the floor right now, like embodies heat basketball. I think they're a team out of everyone that has like the most specific, like culture and like style of play over the last like few years. Like you look like Tyler hero, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, like all knockdown shooters. And you got like Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, like those guys are the same, all their bigs, like Bam Adebayo, all those guys, they all like the same mold of players whether it's like a starter or a bench player. I thought that was a really good point. I, and I agree. I think the Heat are going to uh, make some noise. I think it'll be really good at the, uh, the Celtic series. As, as good as Golden State can be. And, you know, I, I may regret saying that I'm, I don't think the Mavs have much of a chance, but I think whoever comes out of the East is your winner. I would agree. I, I do think I was, I picked the Warriors. To beat the on my last episode, I beat I picked the Warriors to beat the Grizzlies in five, and I think I'm gonna pick them to make the the uh, NBA championship. You know me, big time Warrior hater as well. But uh, <laughs> their style of play is just insane. Sahani, have you been watching any of the NBA playoffs? What you seeing? I've been watching honestly a ton of the Celtics. And Greg, you just said it um, perfectly. Like Jason Tatum is the guy, and I remember like watching him at Duke. And I'll be like, okay, this kid's going to be, like, really good. And now that you watch him and he just takes over games. He's 24. Like, he's so young. But, like, <laughs> and I, I I forgot who said this the other day. But they were like, we're watching the the torch be, like, kind of given to or, like, handed off to Jason Tatum, Luca, like, Devin Booker, like, all these guys that are, like, studs. It's like the, they are the next, like, Embiid, Giannis. Yeah, like like these guys are all so young, and we're going to watch them for the next, like, 10 years, and it's the coolest thing because, you know, as much as we, we love Kevin Durant and um, LeBron and, you know, Chris Paul, all these older heads, like, they Even are, Curry at this point. What's up? Even Curry at this point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah even he's Curry. Like, I mean, he's still good. Yeah, one of like, these guys drafted, like, 2011. Like, it's been – the times are, yeah. I have already – their prime has already passed, like, and we're watching – um, just the torch be handed off. And it is the coolest thing watching, like, you know, Jason Tatum go get, like, 40. And, like, like yep. and Luca have, like, 30 a game. And Luca and Devin Booker, they've been chirping each other. Like, yeah. I really like that. I mean, and honestly, I, I am – I'm not a Warriors hater. I'm definitely not a Warriors lover. But I love – and um, I don't know if you guys know, but Draymond Green. Like, <laughs> that line might be ridiculous, but what that guy does kind of reminds me of a lot is, like, me as a kid, like, just a defender. He's, he might talk a little try. Just a hard worker. And honestly, I, I think he's underrated. And although he might get tossed every other game and he might get <laughs> ejected or and he might get a ton of technical fouls, but like he is the perfect 
basketball player that you want. Like if you're playing a pickup game, like a guy that plays hard, he always does like the one extra pass. Like he is, he's a stud. Um, and obviously like all those guys, but I've watched a lot of, you know, I watched a lot of Brooklyn and Boston and I'm probably going to still watch Boston. Um, but kind of crazy, you know, bucks really like. Way to egg today. I think I was texting with Greg and my dad before, what was the number? It was like 60 to 12 from three. 66 to 12. Yeah. Now you're never, you're never winning a basketball game in this day and age with those numbers. If you Uh, lose 66 to 12. Yeah, no. Um, Andrew, I just wanted to to say one thing about what you said and the passing of the torch. I, I heard somebody, I forget who it was saying like, everybody thought that LeBron was going to hand the torch to KD, but like, KD kind of got passed over. And I think that at the end of the day, when we look back at like this era of the NBA, like not that we're going to forget about KD, but I think we're going to, it's going to be like, oh yeah, LeBron was so good. LeBron was, was this. And then we're going to say, oh, and Steph Curry and the Warriors. And then we're going to say, oh, and then we had the era of like Giannis, Tatum, Luca, Booker. Like, I kind of think Durant's going to get skipped over. Well, that's because Curry did it with Curry, Clay, and Draymond before before KD got there. Yeah. So like it was LeBron in the Heat. It was LeBron and like the cat. And then the Warriors were insane. And then it was still LeBron. And then it was still Curry. Like it wasn't like like right. yes, KD was the MVP, and yes, KD was unreal. But it was still Curry and KD. Like it was I mean, still Curry's team. Yeah. yeah. Like at and the end you go the to day, a team that won a championship. Like yeah. So and, that, and now it's and now it's Tatum, Luca, yeah, even Giannis. He's still young. Like it's it's going to be their league for the next couple of years. And I mean, you know, hopefully Phoenix can go on like a thirty zero run and start this because if this isn't you know CP 3s year, like I don't know how much time that guy's got. Like I don't know. Yeah. I I really do like Phoenix, and I had a lot of fun watching them last year. But it's also a lot of fun watching Dallas. Like a team of like younger guys, they just play hard. Luca's unreal to watch. He's so much fun. Like the things that that guy does is it's unreal. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I was going to say this when you guys talk about that. I think this new era of the NBA might be one of the most balanced, like in recent history that you think back to, like you think back to like when we were in high school, like every year it was like, Oh, it's LeBron in the heat or LeBron in the Cavs. And then, Oh, it's the Warriors every year. But now you have, like, the Celtics, the Heat. Like, the Celtics made a run one year. The Heat made it to the NBA Finals another year. Like, this year, it's going to be one of those two teams again. And then in the West, you have, like, the teams like Memphis, who's just coming out with Jaw. You have, like, the Luka Doncic and the Mavs. Like, you just have so many guys now who are just absolute studs. And it's just pretty much – I think the one key thing that I've noticed so much about the NBA playoffs is just, like, the role players and how much they – mean to the team if you look around the nba like the role players that you notice on all these teams are guys who are on nba playoff teams like every year i think about like jay crowder like his career like he's yeah. never been a stud he's always been a role player but every year he's in the playoffs pj like, tucker i was just say pj tucker like he was with the rockets the bucks uh now he's on the heat like guys like that there's so many players now who have such a big like impact on like a culture of a young team. And I think that's the key now with like the studs that around them are filling your roster in with those other guys. Like you look at like 
the Bucks, like, yeah, they had PJ Tucker. Well, they have like Brooke Lopez. Like he's older now. But he's like a perfect role player to go along with. Honestly, like, a he could shoot it now too. Like, yeah. Or like, like Al so, Horford with the Celtics, like another example. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Je- Marcus Jeff, I have two been around the league for a while too. And he's like, his stat line is just like wild. Like the guy is just a lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. But like, he won't get you a couple yeah. buckets, but like, he's, he's a stud too. Like PJ Tucker is a great one. Like just a guy like, how is he still playing? And like next year <laughs> in the finals, it's like, but yeah. yeah. So, so Jeff, I have two things to kind of go off of what you said. One yeah. is, and I'm not sure he fits entirely into this category because he's in terms of ability, he's a, he's a tier above, but Chris Paul is another example. Like yeah. he's kind of bounced around the league the, the past few years, but no matter where he is, they're they're in the playoffs and they're competing. Like even that one year he was on OKC, like they weren't good by any means, but he's there and they're in the playoffs. He leaves and they're, they're the worst terrible. team in the league. And, you know, Chris Paul's going to catch a lot of slack for never winning a title or never even making the finals, I don't think, right? I don't think so. Or yeah, last year, exactly right? Made the finals. Last, last year. year? Oh, last year. Yeah, last year was the first year. Um, so he's going to catch a lot of slack for that. But at the end of the day, like, wherever he is they're they're competing to win and then uh what you said about bro lopez I, I heard something interesting like he completely had to remodel his game to have a long career right like he came into the league and he was like a back you down kind of center and was not that great defensively and now he's like shifted his game to be a three and d guy um and it's what's kept him in the league and yeah. I think guys like PJ Tucker, like you said, or Jay Crowder, like they're able to adjust their games to fit the the current play style. And it's worked really well for them. And they do, they do what's needed for like what the, what their star players like lack, like, right. Like mm-hmm. Luka Doncic, like he's not the best defensive player in the NBA by any Slow means. as hell. Like, I remember like I was listening to something like Stephen A. Smith's always yelling about something, but he was like the other day, he was like, Luka Doncic just sucks defense, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not like yeah obviously you want your best player to be good defensively but like some people just aren't that and if you have people around you who are good at defense like look at the bucks roster i mean the mavs roster like jalen brunson solid defensively reggie bullock is one of like a sneaky good defender um like they just have guys around him that just pick up that slack and i think that's the most important thing about any of the NBA teams now, like, yeah, obviously to be an NBA championship team, you have to have like a stud player, right? You have to have like one of those guys, but around that, those role players. And like, we were talking about today, like Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton for the bucks, like they're not at that stage yet where they, I mean, like, yeah, they won the NBA championship last year, but like now you take out Chris Middleton, like, are they at that caliber to, to provide for that team? And today they showed that they weren't but now it's their time to step up and and they didn't like, yeah it doesn't mean they can't but just not yet and like you said well, and and like you started this whole thing it shows the importance of role players right and like through this series especially towards the end of it like it was Giannis versus the Celtics like he had no help offensively yeah. so you look at the Celtics say like Grant Williams is raining threes Peyton Pritchard came in with rain in three in the fourth like, quarter yeah they had like so many guys stepping up and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. it was just like Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Brooke Lopez. And outside of that. And Drew Holiday was terrible today. Yeah. He's been a little inconsistent, but he obviously means so much to that team as well. And the stuff he does defensively that, you know, without, obviously without Middleton, you'd like to see him increase his numbers, but, you know, 
it's it's tough but i yeah i'm really excited i just want to ask i think greg you said you, you're picking the heat to win it all yeah i'm taking the heat sahani who you got warriors warriors i like that pick who do you think they're going to play against I think they're going to play against the Heat, but I want them to play the Celtics. I think that the – I don't know. I keep going back and forth with the Heat and Celtics. They're both really good. I do think the Celtics are going to win. I think they have just a little more consistency and scoring. I mean, and a little more star power. And, yeah. the, I mean, the Heat obviously have guys who can step up, like Struess the other night, with, like went crazy and had like 20-something points. And they have Oladipo, Hero, those guys, they have a lot of balance. But – I just think in consistency and having like that star power, like you said, I think that they're going to win. I do think the Warriors are going to make it back as well. And I'm actually going to pick the Warriors to win the NBA championship. Um, sneaky pick. I've been watching them play. Not, not nearly as big as a warrior hater as I was back in the day. Uh, the, definitely, the dynasty lives on. Definitely as time goes on, obviously opinions change, but their, their style of play is just fun to watch. Uh, I used to hate on it all the time and, but that's back in the day when I had an NBA team and actually like really cared about, you know, who was winning, but now just kind of as a neutral, just like to see good basketball and, and they, and they play the they're, style. They're so. so fun to watch. It's yeah. just like, I mean, like, it's Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Like they, they move the ball so well. Like yeah. obviously transitioning now, like small balls, the way everyone plays, but that lineup where they play where it's like Draymond Curry, uh, Thompson, Wiggins, and Jordan Poole. Like, that lineup is just disgusting. Like, Jordan yeah. Poole is nasty. Yeah, he's been really good. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the end of uh, the NBA playoffs and see what's going on. Just want to finish up now. Uh, we've talked about everything we need to talk about. Now, just kind of getting into more of, like, our shared back uh, basketball experiences, maybe favorite memories. I know we were texting before, you know, talking about, like, no bank <laughs> and some memories from uh, back in the playing days. Uh, Greg, you want to go first? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I got some homework to do that I yeah, definitely absolutely. have not started yet. So so we'll finish up uh, quick here. So maybe we each just share one. But yeah, I, I like telling the classic. And Jeff, I know your dad's going to be listening to this, so he'll appreciate this one too. But uh, my sophomore year, Andrew's freshman year, uh, like beginning of the season of JV, and we haven't played any games yet, but had a couple weeks of practice. And we're doing – uh like some four on four drill I think and we everybody was already having a bad practice and I go to give Andrew a, a dribble handoff and he came over to set a ball screen so we both kind of just like stood in front of each other and like <laughs> kind of awkwardly bumped into each other and turned it over and your dad just blows the whistle ends practice sits us down in the middle and it's like Oh, you guys think you got all the answers, this and that, and the other thing. <laughs> and it was just an all-time classic between me and Andrew. Like total, total mess up. <laughs> just on the wrong page, practice over. See hey, at tomorrow. least it didn't happen in tryouts. Yeah, it didn't happen yeah. in tryouts. We, we, we were both on the team already. Greg, yeah. I remember, I think I want to say this was like one of those Thanksgiving practices where we just came back to. So we didn't condition for like a couple of days. We were all kind of gassed. And like, we just, everyone was kind of in a fog. And then I remember we tried like defending what we were going to do. And he was like, big shot, sophomore captain, you know, want to talk back. And <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. He was like, and you freshman, like, what are you doing? And I was just like, oh <laughs> my God. Yeah. He, he ripped into us that day. It was, it was, it was awesome. But like teaching moment, like it was, that was fun. I mean, that's one of my, that's definitely one of my favorite 
memories. Um, it's Jeff, fu- it's funny that one of our favorite memories is getting getting yelled at and getting <laughs> yeah, cracked. Right? Um, I mean, we talked, we texted about a ton of them the other day that were my favorite. But honestly, Jeff, I might have to say that 2014, just that 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 section chip game was so fun to watch. And I remember oh, you God. and me on the bench would just like turn around, go crazy, and. I remember that 2014 team, we were, I think we had a couple injuries, you know, a couple guys getting hurt. And I remember, like, I forgot who, I, it might have been Coach Bell that said he was just like, should we bring Greg back? He was like, and Phil was like, no, too valuable. He needs to be on the stands. <laughs> yeah. no, that that crowd at that 2014 game was Insane. unbelievable. I think that game was just forever one of my my favorite basketball memories, just playing against O'Neal and honestly, just, just getting there. But the best memories, honestly, I, I honestly like J- JV practices, you know, just going to get like lunches at like Giacomo's. I think like the games and all that practices are fun, but it's the stuff outside of it. It's those relationships that you create with, with your teammates. I mean, Gre- Greg and me best friends since we were what, like sophomores in, in, in high school. And honestly, if it wasn't for JV practices all those years, it, it probably wouldn't have been what it was, but I mean, I, I don't even know if I could pick one, but probably that 2014 thing. But all the Millbank games, you know, Jeff going off at Millbank, <laughs> pulling up right across half court, just going crazy like you and, and shout out Nick Masquerinas, a hooper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just just playing the game with, with a bunch of buddies that you grew up with. It, it was all a good time. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. I definitely think that 2014 year, obviously, you know, like the year before was like kind of our year to win it. and we lost my junior year in the finals, like a heartbreaker to Marlboro. And then the next year, like, like you said, we had some injuries to begin the year. Like I had to start a few games early on, like that's never a good sign. Um, but then, you know, we finally kind of got it together and made a little bit of a run in, in that sectional championship game, played O'Neal, who we lost to earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, so we knew it was going to be a battle, but I remember we played them early in the year without Strom. So like I was confident, like going into that game absolute battle and then pulled it out and then obviously i think that's the best student student section maybe in spanko history like just to throw that out there like i've been to so many spanko basketball games that was probably like the greatest spanko fan section my favorite memory i think and i know greg will like this one so but my favorite memory was our game at home versus walk hill on jv Maybe the best JV basketball game of our career. That was a great I, game. I remember, I don't remember the kid from Walk Hill's name, but he was an absolute, Christian Pagan. Christian Pagan. Yeah, shout yeah. out, shout out. But he was an absolute bucket. And I remember. I hope he's listening. Yeah. Throughout the game, we were like, I remember going into it. Like, we're like, yeah, they have a stud. Like, he's, he's like so good. And like, he lit us up. Like, he, like, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, 37, how he, right? Something like that. Like, I remember there was one time, I, like, he came up. I was on him like I had my hand up in his face and he drained a three and like I looked at my dad and he was just like there's nothing you can do about that like it was just a good shot but I remember that game I remember at the end of the game it was like a close game vividly one of my best high school memories came off a ball screen Joe Mills rolls hit him with a dime layup like put us up like maybe like four or something at the end of the game but that was one of my favorite moments and then uh yeah, I think uh, you said the other day my uh, buzzer beater at Socrates where I Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about that. That, yeah. that was the best. So 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 that was that was a broken play because so we were coming out of a timeout. There's like two seconds left, and your dad draws up some play for me to throw a lob to to Jenkins, Jenkins. 
And I think that when I threw it, I, I thought I threw a pretty good pass, but I think the guy guarding the inbound. He like undercut him. It. No, he like well, undercut. And then like Jenkins didn't No, get no, no, but the, the, the guy guarding me. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Inbounder, I think he tipped it a little. So Jenkins had to come in and Jenks' legs kind of got taken out and the ball just kind of fell to the short corner. <laughs> Jeff scoops it up, throws a little teardrop. <laughs> and T- Timmy Gugamuk always said, uh, so he – he got he was on the bench. Out. He was in foul trouble. He was on the bench, and the locker room was right next to the bench. And Jeff's at the far end of the court, and Jeff made it to the locker room before anybody on the bench did. That's how fast he sprinted to the locker room after that ball went through the net. All right, but I'm gonna provide some context before we wrap up. My dad had never beaten Socrates, so he was all juiced up for that game because he knew, like, they had a couple of kids like in our grade who were on varsity. Um, but they still had Darnell Edge, who went on yeah. to have a fantastic yeah. college career, made the NCAA tournament. Like, I mean, he was an absolute beast. So my dad was all jacked up for that game and hit that <laughs> shot. And I was I was rolling. I was pumped. You were uh, juiced. Yeah, I was juiced. But uh, that's going to finish it up. Really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, I really you know, wanted to have you guys for on for a while. So I appreciate you taking the time. Definitely got to do this again sometime uh chat it up always a good time always a pleasure to be with you fellas and uh hope you guys have a good rest of your week greg see you in a couple weeks hopefully we can get out on the golf course yeah chop it up carrie getting married and yeah i I was even just thinking before we started this just when we were texting the other night for like two hours just all all the stuff that uh we we've done together and and um it's all basically been because of basketball so jeff really cool podcast that you got going on here and uh always always going to keep listening to other people that you have on yes sir yes sir appreciate it Zahani, thank you for taking the time out always appreciate a pleasure you, talking to you hopefully see you, soon. you thanks for having us yes sir all right so that is going to conclude this episode of the only hoops podcast thank you for listening or watching whatever format you so choose Please make sure you like, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching. If you're listening, please make sure to rate or leave a uh, review for the podcast as well. It means a lot if you so choose to do so. Greg Allen, Andrew Sahani, two fantastic guys, two great friends of mine. Really um, glad I was able to have them on and have a great discussion with them. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. Just want to finish up this uh, podcast with my last segment, Goat of the Week. Going to keep this short, simple, but my Goat of the Week is Luka Doncic. The Dallas Mavericks obliterated the Phoenix Suns uh, in Game 7 of that series. Luka Doncic is an absolute assassin. Dude is unreal. Maybe showed why he's the best player in the NBA, um, but he was absolutely great Game 6, Game 7. Love what he said after Game 5, after uh, Phoenix was up and won it. Uh, actually, uh, would have been game five, game six, something like that. Phoenix won, um, and him and Booker had gotten into it a lot, and he said something coming out of the locker room, and he was like, everyone uh, is comfortable or everyone is tough when they're when they're up. And I thought that was a great phrase that he used. You know, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, when they're up and are ahead of you in the world, do whatever they can to keep you down, keep you suppressed. Luka Doncic absolutely fought with that stigma took down the Dallas Mavericks and showed why he may be the best player in the NBA. So Luka Doncic, you're my go to the week. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast. That's going to conclude this episode. See you guys in the next one.